0: Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives right after big important news. With us today, I'm happy to have him back from London, Stephen McCauley. He's CEO at Empower Clinics. The company trades on the CSC and the stock symbol CBDT, great stock symbol. For our friends in Germany, on the Frankfurt under 8EC, and for our friends in the US, on the QB under EPWCF. For those who are new to the story, and there might be a lot of you because Stephen basically took over operations of the company in January, Empower is a vertically integrated CBD life sciences company. That sounds like a lot. We'll talk about it in a second. And a multi state operator of medical health and wellness clinics. So that sounds like a lot, a mouthful. More than just lip service. The company has a database of over 165,000 patients. Uh, they're generating millions in revenue. Uh, with annualized revenue in 2020 looking to be about $5 million. Q3 just came in, revenue's up 137%. Patient visits are up 211%. This is a company that's delivering. But if that wasn't enough, and normally that would be just enough and fine for anybody, their growth plan has become vertically integrated. Uh, They've they've got a CBD extraction uh, facility in Oregon, got a great joint venture there. We're going to talk about that. Uh, extraction capacity looks like 6,000 kilograms per year to attack an industry that's going to be worth about $20 billion by 2022. So they're definitely on top of things. Stephen, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks very much, George. And always enjoy uh, spending some time with you.
0: Well, look, we enjoy spending time with you because you're delivering right now. And that's a big differentiator from Companies that are being, you know, really bashed around in terms of market capitalization. We'll get to that later Mm -hmm. on. But you're delivering, and let's talk about Q3. Specifically, you had some big increases in there, some great KPIs. Uh, The first one is, let's talk about revenue. You went from, uh, you know, you talked about revenue of $663,000 versus $279,000, basically, you know, ballpark. What do you attribute that revenue growth to just from the clinics?
1: Yeah, so the, you know, the, the 663 uh, that we're referring to, we report all our financials in U.S. dollars. So for any of the Canadian audience, you know, it's kind of about a million dollars a quarter right now in our run rates. The most significant event that happened for us was identifying the Sun Valley Clinic's acquisition and actually getting it done. You know, we, we located it, negotiated it. We did a $4 million raise in April, and that allowed us to uh, make that close happen in early May and then just start integration and implementation. The Sun Valley team continued to deliver. Um, all of the, the great ladies and gentlemen uh, in the company Uh, I've met all of them. Uh, They're an exciting dynamic group. And what stands out with them is that they just care for patients so much. And it kind of permeates their whole identity and uh, it gives us an incredible retention rate. So to go back to your question, the financial growth is primarily coming from loading on that acquisition compared to the old Pacific Northwest Empower, Empower Clinics Network, which was, uh, you know, quite a bit smaller than what the Arizona-based group is. Uh, and that's what we're seeing, you know, 137%, you know, year-over-year growth for the third quarter.
0: And that's, and that, by the way, that's kudos to you and your leadership. You just took over, you know, the company yourself in, in January or so. And you're able to identify uh, how important Sun Valley was and get it done. I mean, in hindsight, given what's going on with the markets right now, not not that it's any of that's attributable to you, but the markets are definitely having difficulty. You know, how big was it for you to be able to raise the funding and get that transaction done just under the wire for the long-term growth of Empower? Well,
1: you know, in hindsight, of course, it it it's you know it was essential, uh, you know, an imperative. Uh, we You know, I don't know what we would look like right now without um, working so hard to um, really deal with the expense structure in the first quarter, uh, understand how to shift the identity. Uh, It's hard to make moves to recreate a brand that needs to be much more diversified. The old revenue model was simply um, Oregon State, Washington State, one revenue stream, uh, and really wasn't a defensible business model. Uh, Now we're diversified, you you mentioned vertical integration, so for me, vertical integration kind of goes down to the farming layer. I I don't see us uh, wanting to be a farmer uh, in the current markets that we serve, but we sure understand the the power of uh, extraction and R&D of the plant. And remember, we're in the medical side of the equation, which is hemp-derived CBD products we're not involved in anything on the recreational side. So, uh, you know, now as I look back, we have a lot more tools uh, to work with. Uh, we have approximately 70 employees uh, in the entire group um, with uh, Arizona, the Pacific Northwest, and, and some of our corporate layer, although the corporate layer is very small, generally
0: speaking. Now, your revenue growth was impressive, and you talk about how you're a real company. What I also love is the, is the patient growth. Uh, a 212% increase, and that's going from 1,864 patients in, the, in Q3 2018 to 5,800 and, and change patients now. That, to me, that speaks of execution. That's real execution because you've got patients coming in, first of all, you're happy, but when you're growing by, by 212% quarter over quarter on these kind of numbers, that's huge. What's What's been your you know, what's, what's been your secret sauce to, to not only just have the patients, but have that patient growth?
1: Well, the so the, the, the patient count are patients that we actually, uh, who came to visit us. So uh, patients, we also can think of uh, as customers now as well. Uh, we've diversified our offering and we've talked about how we're diversifying um, the uh, services and products that we're now offering within our clinic network. But the, these are patients that have come in uh, that we've, they've had consultations with our physicians. We generate revenue per patient. It's an important um, high-level leading metric or KPI for, for our business. And we, we look at these numbers and that patient flow each and every week, each and every month, and we forecast the quarter, and we forecast out beyond that. So that KPI uh, is an imperative. We have 165,000 patients in our entire database, so that's a different type of metric and KPI that we also watch because it allows us to run new campaigns and offer these new services or additional physician-based modalities or let that uh, customer-based, patient-based know that we now offer uh, CBD product lines and health and wellness products within our clinics and on our with our within our online store
0: So you're given you're given bottom line is you're giving your existing database a good reason to come back More often at the end of the day. So on that note, let me ask you this kind of growth Was this a one-off or given the fact that Steve? I've said this on previous interviews and for people watching the first time you're a six you're six Sigma certified uh, and for people who don't know what that is, look that up, but basically you are a black belt uh, when it comes to you know this kind of performance so i don't think it's a one off, but I have to ask you was it just great growth you know in this quarter for patient visits, or do you have a plan to take that number from fifty eight hundred to eighty eight hundred to twelve thousand you know in the in the upcoming quarters
1: yeah so there uh, as we look out going forward, I mean these concepts of applying you know uh, six sigma methodology to um, um, how we approach each day. And I hope some of that continues to you know kind of permeate throughout um, our own operations team. But I can tell you that the good folks in our key clinics, say in Oregon, uh, Portland, um, the operations team in uh, the Arizona clinics, they have a very solid understanding of what monthly quarterly and annual uh patient retention rates look like. So we have a certain expectation of exactly how many patients should be coming back in each month and each quarter. So what that does for us is it gives me a level of predictability. So I can tell you right now that our fourth quarter metrics um, are looking very solid. We had a great October. If you look at just patient visits in the month of October, we know how we're doing in November. Everybody's hitting their milestones that we expect internally. And what we also know is where we're going to be first quarter of next year, we know where we're going to be second quarter of next year because we know what the uh, renewal uh, dates are. We know exactly when a patient is scheduled for renewal, but most importantly is we proactively remind them using our technology layer. You know, we have an extremely uh, strong and organized uh, communication strategy that involves our text message platform, uh, email blasting campaigns, and call center activity so that something as simple as an appointment reminder is going out onto the handset of a patient to make sure that not only do they know that their uh, uh, appointment is coming up, but right in the final days that they actually do show up back in the clinic, and we, we run through that retention process with them.
0: I got to tell you, for people watching at home, before I get up, this is content for me before I hop into my next question. It must. It just sounds like you know this great. It sounds like empower Just has this great comfort, this business comfort around it, which is very important in a time when you know, investors don't know what's happening with companies in the industry. And and you're taking this six sigma approach, very quantifiable. You've got the numbers. You're increasing. you It sounds like you're going to keep on going. So, uh, I I I took a great deal of comfort in that last answer, Steve. I, I just want to tell you that. But in addition to growth. In addition to the growth, you also cut expenses. Uh, just cash flow for operations reduced significantly. Uh, so you're not just looking at the top, the top line in terms of growing revenue and growing patient visits, but you're also cutting expenses. How are you cutting expenses? Uh, you know, th- you've know, got a real operation there, 70 employees. you got real clinics. How are you able to find these savings in order to cut expenses?
1: Yeah, it, you know, we, I guess it, it, one of the responsibilities in, in a, a role that I have on behalf of our shareholders, on behalf of prospective investors who might be uh, looking at us as an opportunity, and frankly, on behalf of uh, the employee base, we have to have a path of longevity. And to the extent that we identify areas that are inefficient, so what that means to me in the clinic network space, um, in the first quarter of last year, uh, sorry, of this year and second quarter of this year, it was imperative that we found situations where if there was a particular location in in a market, so let's take the Oregon market and uh, Washington State, there were some small markets that we had legacy facilities in that really were not paying for themselves. And it wasn't going to be prudent to simply operate with negative cash flow on a certain individual clinic because collectively that brings down the entire company. So we had to make some decisions whereby uh, some facilities, their leases were coming to expiry, and it simply didn't make sense to renew that lease. Uh, We're better to shrink our facility base in some of those small markets, bring those resources to the better clinics like Portland, make sure that they're overperforming and growing and frankly won't be a drag in terms of EBITDA or negative cash flow uh, on the entire overall operations so we've just methodically have identified what those are made the difficult decisions executed on those decisions and it did impact um, certain people in those markets but um, for the greater good of the entire company uh, the shareholder base expects us to be pragmatic And so I expect what will happen in some of these markets that maybe we shut down, that we will circle back in at a later date with franchising. Uh, And the other thing that we're doing is we're putting a much bigger effort into our telemedicine platforms so that we can continue to serve patients in those markets remotely. Again, using our technology layer. We are solid technicians. We have a great technology base behind us. It would be a shame if we don't utilize it. It's in a much, much more efficient way to serve remote markets using telemedicine and a centralized approach.
0: Uh, Again, an answer that you just don't hear in the small cap space very often. Uh, So so that's fantastic. Now, 99% of the time, Steve, I I would end the interview right there, right? Great Q3, great core business. We'd sign off and say, hey, looking forward to the next one. But you're not a one-trick pony. Uh, and you just alluded something franchising. So I was going to bring that up. You're not a one trick pony. You're going to vertically integrate this company. So you've got a couple of real and, and clearly you're not stretching like some other people would just grasping at straws There's a method to the madness. So let's go through that you know, briefly just to bring people up to speed. Since we're still talking about clinics and people are in clinic mode still, you're, you've got a plan to start franchising these clinics right across America right now. Uh, you've made great strides in that isn't just an idea where are you at with the franchising side and what can you tell us about whether you've got impending franchise your first franchisees
1: yeah so the franchise model for me was uh, an important aspect of the sun valley acquisition because they had already put together most of the framework Uh, it needed some more investment to finish the franchise disclosure document Uh, Build out the, you know, the display booths and the marketing material uh, to really go ahead and do it right. Uh, It's still, you know, it's still an early concept in the entire cannabis sector or medical cannabis sector to actually operate and grow with franchising. So we've attended a number of shows. We, we were in St. Louis. We've been to Chicago. We were in Houston. We were just in South Florida at the Miami uh, Airport Convention Center just this past week for uh, Franchise Expo, and we have uh, we're getting more and more momentum behind it. We have probably in the neighborhood of uh, approximately thirty uh, solid applications that have come back into us. We've really? probably. Uh, 15 to 20 uh, FDDs, the franchise disclosure document. Franchising is a regulated industry, so there's a process that we have to follow. Um, I would anticipate that we'll have some announcements coming, you know, in the very near future um, of these early signings. Uh, the first few um, always take longer. Uh, uh, they lead. The first few signings lead to you know multiple growth uh, in franchise signing in the future. So. We we've we figured we we really have the formula down now. You know, it always takes time to uh, get your message across, but we do hear back from prospective franchise franchisees, and these might be uh, investor groups. They might be existing practitioners who have a practice in a given market. They have patients already but they're looking to diversify into this sector but also diversify their own revenue stream. It does not make any sense for someone in that situation to try to go it on their own. It's going to be slow. Uh, We've got six years under our belt. We have all of this operations layer down pat. We have all the tech, the technical systems. We have the HIPAA compliant uh, uh, EHR systems to manage patients in a compliant manner. And we have a brand that can be just dropped into a particular market and then our team will come in behind and we're going to make sure that you're successful there's there's no doubt about that because our people uh, they know how to run patients through these processes and we've added on the layer of uh, the cbd product line so retail in uh, the franchise locations and we know how hot uh, and how much hype are, is going on in the united states right now for cbd based products
0: and what's amazing is you just, you just completed the acquisition for Sun, for Sun Valley in the summer, basically. And you're already at this stage where people will be saying, hey, franchise would be a good idea and we might do it. You've already got all the documentation. So essentially, for anybody watching at home right now, Steve, on top of being an investor or potential investor, if you're an American, uh, you, could literally, you could literally buy a franchise right now, if I'm hearing, if I'm hearing you correctly.
1: Uh, that, that's correct. I mean, uh, the you know we've done done the legal work. Uh, that framework's in place, and like I said, it's a regulated industry. We're not allowed to sell franchises unless we've done all the legal work. We have the business model. I mean, our, our franchise disclosure document is a hundred and fifty-page document. I mean, this is this is not uh, to be sure. taken lightly. Um, this is a real investment on our part for the future of our brand. Uh, but we really believe that is going to allow us to get m- many, many more locations under our banner throughout the country. It's going to give us much greater access to patients and patient data. You know We're heavily involved in working towards participating in clinical trials right now. Um, we have a number of situations where um, clinical and medical groups, very significant ones, are interested in our data set because we have so much data with the 165,000 patients behind us. That data is going to prove to be valuable to clinical trials and to ultimately new product definitions in the future as we can help support proving out that these alternative therapies actually work for patients. And the stigmas come down, the regulatory framework evolves. And the market continues to grow. That's where we're positioning ourselves as this diversified health and wellness brand, life sciences brand, uh, to be a thought leader in the industry and to be relevant to the industry. And these additional revenues will come as a result of it. But we're taking advantage of the asset base that we have or what I might refer to as our intellectual property. Uh, Our IP assets will prove to be valuable in the future. We just don't know. How valuable yet? But I'm confident that we're onto something.
0: Now that's 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 a discussion about the clinics outward, you know, franchising. Let's talk about going into the clinics. You plan to launch your own uh, hemp-derived CBD products. Uh, So essentially, you know, you've got you got. No, we already have them. We're we're not launching them. We already have them. Okay, tell us tell us about how that. Yeah, I I was thinking about the CBD third party, but tell us how that's going. How the cable line is going right now. Yeah, so we, you know we have our own uh,
1: lot uh, CBD uh, hemp-derived CBD uh, products. So on our shelves right now, we have um, four specific formulations of tinctures. Uh, they cover things like chronic pain, anxiety, uh, sleep um, is is a big uh, component that okay. uh, products uh, and. Uh, We also have our own CBD uh, lotion. Again, it's a chronic pain formulation. Those are on the shelves right now. And uh, those are products that we've also taken into uh, local markets. Uh, We've got an initiative going on right now in Southern California uh, that uh, is going to be important for us as we're beginning to test um, getting the product line into big markets uh, such as Los Angeles County. Uh, So it's not just internal distribution, but it's actually starting to touch on retail distribution uh, in the the massive markets like California. So we will continue to evolve our IP on the product side. Uh, We have a fairly deep library already of formulations and different product delivery systems that we haven't brought to market yet, but the IP has been developed. Product for us, I see it as a standalone division. If you think of our corporate layer as a public company, I see all things clinics running through the Sun Valley Health brand, uh, corporate and franchise. I see product as a division on its own, serving domestic and international markets. I definitely see our extraction and manufacturing layer. And then the final piece for me is a little bit of the big unknown is um, what will data science and thought leadership and clinical trials look like as, as a subsidiary or division, with all of that being connected in, in what I refer to as our vertical inter- integration, really controlling our own supply chain in domestic markets and international markets in the future?
0: And I could end the interview again right there and say, man, more layers of the business, but now we got the last layer which comes from your own extraction facility. Uh, that's a hemp-derived facility, CBD extract facility in Portland. you kind of alluded to that. Uh, you took possession of it in the summer. Uh, you awarded the license necessary from Oregon State you know, Department of Agriculture, and now you're on to the next phase. Uh, part of that is, so I want to talk about the products that, come, that are gonna be coming out of that, what they're gonna be doing, but part of that is strategic partnership. You've got a, <laughs> a letter of intent to form a joint venture with heritage cannabis. Uh, There's some really healthy terms in there. So let me ask first what people might be asking at home and then move into the actual facility. Mm -hmm. How is the strength of that LOI looking? And I ask because naturally, there's a lot going on in the cannabis CBD space right now. There's a lot of consternation and some deals are being called off. So I've got to ask you, you know, what's the strength of that LOI right now with, with heritage cannabis?
1: So, um, the relationship with Heritage uh, remains very strong. So, Clint Sharples is the CEO of Heritage. Uh, He and I, you know, we talk regularly. Uh, We're also working very closely with Graham Staley, who is the head of their extraction division uh, called Pure Pharma out of Kelowna, British Columbia. And uh, Graham is also a director of Heritage. So, Graham, uh, we've had him down to the facility. Uh, We've done complete walkthroughs. We've talked about... Uh, what what equipment we should be putting in there, what the timelines are. Uh, They are the experts on extraction. Uh, They're going to bring that know-how, those standard operating procedures to bear on this facility. The other thing that's important with the heritage relationship is they're more capitalized or they have a bigger balance sheet uh, than we do, and they're uh, providing um, the initial capital uh, for the joint venture. So it's a very complementary JV. Heritage gets to enter the U.S. markets on the hemp-derived CBD side. We get to leverage their balance sheet. Uh, So together we're stronger for each other than just trying to figure it out on our own. To directly answer your question, we're working towards the definitive agreement right now. So we're at the stage of uh, legal is involved uh, on both sides. Um, Our intention remains strong and forthright. Uh, We both believe it's the right thing to do. And uh, we're just proceeding uh, in good faith, uh, hoping to get ourselves to the definitive agreement um, very soon. Uh, Graham and I and my operations team are working on uh, specifications for equipment. What we've decided to do is we're going to actually acquire the post-production equipment first. So these would be things like uh, gel cap machines, Tincture filling stations, bottling stations, labeling, because we can actually source uh, distill and isolate locally in the Oregon market at, at, you know, at wholesale prices and actually start to manufacture our own product requirements. And we'll manufacture for the third party relationships that we're, you know, we're both, both parties are bringing to the JV. The extraction equipment uh, is uh, uh, more sophisticated and takes a little bit longer to order and set up, there's some lead time. But there's no reason why we can't utilize the 5,000 square foot right. facility. We're already licensed to uh, start producing and getting to revenue uh, in the facility uh, sooner rather than later. So that's so, our plan right
0: now. So both myself and I'm sure people watching this would understand uh, you know, where the revenue comes from when it comes to more you know, proprietary branded products inside Empower's Clinics. So let's talk about the third party partnerships out there. Uh, I'm assuming these are private label partnerships, you know, white label kind of partnerships. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit, but more importantly for everyone at home, you know, do you have any do you have any sense of demand right now from third party partners and, and, and how that might look in two thousand and twenty? Well, we
1: do. I mean, I, I would start at the macro level on demand in, in the US markets. I mean, you know, there there's many groups, you know, Analytica, Brightfield Group, others who continue to support with uh, real data, third-party data that the the markets are continuing to grow. I think they're expecting a $700 million CBD market in the United States in 2019 and expecting that to go to $5 billion in 2020. So at a macro level, the consumer demand is there. What that translates to with third-party brands, there's some brands out there that simply want to be CPG companies, consumer packaged good companies, serving uh, the CBD markets. Uh, They don't want to be an extractor, they don't want to be a producer. Those are the types of partnerships, when I say third party, that uh, are discussions that uh, we're involved in. These are discussions that Heritage Cannabis are involved in. They already have some of these relationships in Canadian markets. That have the potential to wow. translate to U.S. markets.
0: So these are obviously strong brands, right, Steve? This isn't uh, these household- George's CBD Product Inc., I guess. But uh, it sounds like you're talking about companies that have you know some pretty some pretty good brands and with this these put their are brand on it and have you guys do all the extraction work? Yeah,
1: absolutely. These these are big brands. These are these are well known household names, nice. uh, large Canadian uh, pa- uh, public companies, uh, U.S. public companies. Uh, large private. So it's not, you know, we envision this. I mean, I would love to say to you that uh, the empower network uh, for our Solievo lines or our sun Valley science lines uh, that we carry in our clinics uh, is eating up all our demand because the brands have just, you know, they're, they're killing it right now and there's so much hype. Uh, I can't say that to you yet. Uh, what I can say is it is a great business model to serve third-party brands uh, and continue to extract and and fill and bottle their products and distribute it. We would take that business all day long. It's it's a great wholesale relationship based on, you know, long-term contracts. So we expect a balance between filling our own requirements, and we'll see where that will go in the future, and filling the needs of great third-party partners. And to the extent that we can have all our capacity taken up, then we'll anticipate that and we'll just continue to expand our extraction capacity in that facility or in neighboring facilities if we have to.
0: So before I wrap up with my last question, just because of what you just said in that answer there, I'm going to push the envelope. If you can't answer it, don't, but I can almost feel you know, like, like feel people at home thinking, ask the question. Um, would you expect that meaningful deal, you know, decent third party uh, you know, partner sales would begin in 2020? Oh, yeah, we already know that.
1: Uh, oh. So it, it's not that that's quite easy um, for us. You know, uh, we're already working on. So as an example, we uh, Heritage Cannabis is a 30 percent shareholder in Endocana Health, which is the DNA kit provider. We've previously announced that we're we will be distributing the Endocanna Health DNA kit program in our clinics and in our franchise program. It's a perfect add-on to the new physician-based modalities and services that we've launched. Uh, Endocanna Health are also strong formulators because part of what they have created is a deep understanding of um, the endocannabinoid system and CB1 and CB2 receptors within the human body that uh, they go down to the DNA level and look at genetics to understand how Uh, certain strains or certain products uh, may be more effective for the genome type or the gene uh, uh, system within a particular individual. But what it also identifies are potential contradictions. And understanding contradictions can be as important as understanding what might be beneficial. So what Endocana are doing is they're creating specific formulations based on the data that they've been collecting. Those formulations come through us in our extraction facility. We create those formulations either for a third-party brand uh, or even run them under our own brand under a licensing agreement with a partner like Endocana. So we're, we're using our data science already to potentially improve and create new formulations based on the data and the potential efficacy of these cannabis-based treatment
0: options. Is, is anybody else doing that out there, or is that a huge competitive advantage that you've got, or are other guys just you know patching up hemp-derived CBD, throwing a couple labels on it, and putting out into the marketplace just to get quick sales? Is, any, is anybody going that deep? You know, I,
1: I hope that the industry does. I, I, you know, I I am confident that you know the concept of you know patching things together you know just won't exist ultimately. We are in a regulated framework here, so we've got you know new rulings that have just been announced from the USDA that we have to follow and watch carefully. We've got the FDA on a federal level. We've got FDA at the state level. So you, know, you can't just be a fly-by-night operator in this space, especially as a public company, and think that that's going to work going forward. It won't. Uh, you must employ analytics. You must employ data. You must understand the regulations and make sure that What's in your bottle, you know what's in your bottle, and what's on your label matches what's in your bottle and stand behind your products. Uh, that's an important thesis for us uh, that we will continue to abide by going forward.
0: For sure, and that for sure, but I guess what I was talking about was more just the using data to look at specific needs for specific kind of people, and then formulating and, and, and packaging those. You know, that, that seems like oh. you're really getting down to the granular level. You're not just putting up generic, you know, CBD products for you know, generic things out there. It sounds like you're really getting down to the granular level. Unless I misunderstood that, if I didn't, who else is going that granular?
1: Yeah. So, so you didn't misunderstand. That's exactly what we're doing. This, this is a this is a thoughtful uh, process that we're going through here. It's not haphazard. Um, we we talk about these strategies and and methodologies uh, extensively as a board and and at the management layer. Um, I know that there are other great brands out there that are thinking uh, perhaps in the same way. I believe it's a, a really important competitive advantage for our company, for what we stand for in the medical cannabis sector as a health and wellness or life sciences company. I believe it's an imperative for us And I hope that we are a thought leader in the industry with this aspect. And we're taking a leading position demonstrating uh, that you have to operate, you know, what I kind of call it in in a pharmaceutical manner uh, in our approach Um, for us to be um, a well-known brand, a brand that is a trusted brand with consumers, um, our customers, our patients at the clinic level. We have to demonstrate this professionalism in everything that we do at all times.
0: Uh, I'll tell you right now, you're demonstrating that this interview by far and away. And I'm not just saying that because we're on, I don't need to say that, but you speak a language you speak in a, in a, in a cadence that differs from 98% of of the small cap CEOs out there. So it's it's translating here. I have no doubt it's going to translate in the market. I'm going to leave with this last question, even though it sounds like, you're probably gonna have enough news to bring it back before the end of the year. I'm gonna ask this question. Stock, market's take, stock market for this space has taken uh, you know, a bit of a beating. Uh, bad news coming out of the canopy. There's a lot of struggles out there uh, at, at, the, at the really big mega level. Mm-hmm. And no doubt that's had some impact on your stock. So what do you say to your shareholders out there? Because uh, you've got great experience. You, 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 know, you go back to GE and then you, know, you done some pretty sp- spectacular things since then. You know what do you say to shareholders uh, in order to separate short short-term stock market performance from you know what the long-term vision is of the company or what the long-term actual uh, you know practical look is for the company?
1: I, I simply ask everybody to remain confident. Uh, we're remaining diligent in what we do each and every day. I know how hard all of our team members are working, and I so appreciate the efforts that that they're going through um, from the investment community. Uh, existing shareholders uh, just know that we're here representing you and your investment and and we care about it uh, I believe that we are in a time where you know it's a bridge to a better market uh, I would argue that uh, it's one of the greatest buying opportunities in, that this sector has seen uh, since the concept of the sector uh, going back to the original sort of Canadian LP uh, launches and I think that you know, the companies that have uh, real execution, real revenues, real revenue growth, and plans for uh, broad-based revenue, so not singular, narrow business models that um, may be um, sort of fraught with risk, is diversification was important within you know limits. Uh, we can't be everything to everybody, sure. but I certainly feel that we've lined up our business model, that we can layer on growth strategies and initiatives in spite of the challenging markets. We can replicate what we have and take it to other markets and other international markets. And we continue to uh, entertain discussions uh, about different markets, whether that may be uh, South America, Southern Hemisphere, Europe. These are all potential developing, growing markets that could really add to Uh, the diversified footprint of our company, and it could provide us access to better capital uh, given that the current capital markets for particularly Canada and a bit of North America are currently constrained. So, you know, we're looking at a variety of methods here to make sure that the capital structure remains solid. And uh, I just, I think again, where I started is just uh, remain confident in what we're doing uh, we've got the board, uh, we've got the management layer in place, we're continuing to control our expenses, and we know what our revenue stream looks like uh, on a very solid basis going forward, um, so stay patient with us, you know, just just please stay with us going forward.
0: Well, Steve, i got to tell you, it's pretty easy to remain confident, especially after this interview. You're putting up the numbers, so before we even started this interview, you're putting up the numbers, you know, clinical revenue is up 137%. Uh, patient visits up two hundred eleven percent and these are some pretty good bottom lines, you know, you weren't you're you're not up two hundred and eleven percent from from one, you know. So and now follow this interview and everything you've had, the extra layer, the context, the color you've been to provide, I think it's pretty easy to remain confident and uh, and, and you guys have earned that. Congratulations. Thank, thank, thank you. you for joining us from London tonight. You know, you're around the world, you're working, you know, you're it seems like every time we talk to you in a different you're in a different part of the world and that you're in Miami for the franchise, you know, for the franchise show. Now that now you're in London, so thanks for joining us today. Deeply appreciate it.
1: Thank you, George. We appreciate your time.
0: For everyone watching at home or listening, maybe on our podcast on Spotify and other uh, and other podcasters, you've been watching and listening to Stephen McCauley, He's CEO at Empower Clinics. The company trades on the CSE on the stock symbol CBDT. For our friends in the US, EPWCF. That's on the OTCQB. And for our friends in Europe on Frankfurt under 8 EC. You've watched, you've heard some amazing material, some great information, not just about today's performance, but about where this company is going. Now the due diligence is up to you. Start with Agoracom, get there, punch in the company's name or stock symbol, do your initial research, and then use that link to the company's website to go over there and take a look and do your further due diligence because this is definitely a company worth watching. you watch it here, you've heard it here, the rest is up to you. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for giving us your time. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.